Okay. Well, it's one thing I always, I've always had a real problem uh, with my, not only my feet now, I'm falling apart. Okay? I'm just literally falling apart. But, uh, thank you. Very good. All right. I, I like your stool so much, I might just take it with me, huh? <laughs> no, I have one up there, and uh, I'm fine. But, uh, uh, yeah, there's not, another thing I've always I have concern with, uh, right now, unfortunately, we don't have a song leader. We had a song leader, but uh, he moved away. And so I have to lead the songs. And uh, that's very stressful for me because I have a very bass voice. And then when you're trying to sing melody, and then you get some of those songs that goes way up there, and I always have to drop down an octave, uh, just try to save on my voice. And then before I start, if, if I'm not careful, I'll get in a coughing spasm, and then I'm, uh, I'm in a helpless con uh, condition. And so, uh, anyhow, Lord was good to me last time and such, and I'm sure he'll be uh, fine with me here tonight. So, um, I just want to share to you, uh, uh, really, this is kind of picks up a little bit uh, from uh, uh, last night uh, as uh, the message was preached there on, on being the salt of the world. Um, you know, over there, just, just look over there in Matthew chapter 5, back where the Hines was last last uh, night, and uh, this is not really where my message is from, but I thought, okay, well, I'm going to bring this in, and uh, as, as, as the message was preached there uh, on verse 13, where he says, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. And that was uh, very well brought forth with us in how many ways we can be brought as uh, be salt of the earth. But with that also, as it continues on there in verse 14, we are also to be the light of the world. We are to show forth the gospel to the world that is in darkness of sin, and that they can understand it. They're blinded of the truth, and uh, they, they don't know what the truth is. They're given all kinds of uh, different stories about the truth and, and such. And, of course, people caught up in evolution and all these kind of things, and it's, it distracts everything from the Word of God, and we have to be a true light. And so, as it says there in verse 14, you are the light of the world, a city that is set uh, on a hill, cannot be hid. Again, we are to show forth the light. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but under a candlestick, and it, and it, giveth, it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Again, so we're allowing our light to shine out uh, every place that we are. And so let your light so shine before men we don't, again, don't hide that light. We want, as we go out, we're making sure uh, not only by our words, but by our actions, that we are sh showing ourselves uh, 
that we are truly a born-again Christian, so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what did he do? And glorify your Father, which is in That's where the emphasis. It's not on us. We're, we're his ambassadors to send out the good news, the message, that he gets the honor and glory. We are, we are to bring people to come and to worship him. Uh, and we are to come together and give him the praise and the honor and the glory. And that's what we need to do. So anyhow, but uh, 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 my message is really over in Zechariah chapter 4, but we're going to go to Ezra chapter 3. And uh, as you turn there, we're going to have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time we have uh, tonight as we get together. Uh, how wonderful it is to be in this wonderful uh, church, Lord. Uh, how, what a great testimony it had through all the years. I've, I've been here for so many years, and, and uh, this, this church uh, has just stayed steady, uh, stable, uh, like, uh, like few churches do today. And, uh, and I'm so thankful for, for those in the church here and, and their real desire for, for the things of God and their real concern for missions and uh, the, as they are diligently doing all that they can to get the gospel not only here in the, this area but throughout the world. And uh, Lord, I just pray you, you would bless this time um, uh, uh, during this mission conference, get people a heart of, uh, of, of even doing more for you, Lord, for the time is growing short and we need to be busy. And I just pray that you just uh, work on the hearts of each and every one of us that we be a faithful uh, servant for you. All right, uh, Ezra chapter 3. We're gonna, this is kind of a background. We're going to go in Zechariah chapter 4. Uh, in fact, we're uh, on our Sunday evening me, uh, 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 services. We're, we're going through this. And really the story... Uh, for Zechariah starts over here in Ezra. And, uh, and as you know the story, uh, uh, children of Israel have been 70 years in captivity in Babylon. And then uh, Cyrus uh, then allowed them to come back as it was prof uh, prophesied by Jeremiah that after 70 years they would come back and be able to come back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And so that was what they were uh, busy doing. And then as you uh, look there in Ezra chapter 3, uh, the first thing that they did when they got there, you know, 70 years uh, in that heathen land, they had no way of properly worshiping God. So the first thing they wanted to do there in uh, Ezra 3, verse 3, and they set the altar upon his base uh, for the fear was upon them because of the people of these countries, and they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. So that was their first. They wanted to get back to worship. And, and they were not concerned, first of all, about their homes and such, where they're going to live. This first, the, their priority was that of uh, of worshiping God, and the place was there, started there at the altar. We have an altar that we come to, to uh, bow down before God and worship Him. Give Him the honor. Give Him the glory. 
And so that's not what they were busy doing. And then it goes on there uh, and uh, verse 4, they kept also the feast of the tabernacles as is written and offered daily burnt offerings by number according to the customs as the duty of every day required and afterward offered the continual burnt offering both of the new moons and all, uh, and all the set feasts of the Lord that were uh, consecrated and every one that willingly offered a free will offering on the Lord. So here they were in obedience following what they were prescribed uh, to do in their worship uh, there. And then go to uh, uh, verse 10 now in, in uh, Ezra here. And uh, now they, they, they got the, the foundation down, or, or, or they got the altar. Now they begin on the foundation. We see here in verse 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests uh, in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites and the sons of Asphath with symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinances of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by chorus and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout. When, the praise, when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. How they excited they were. Finally, after all these years, we can come back and we can begin worshiping God the way God wants us to do it. We were so hindered there in Babylon, we couldn't do it, but now we have the freedom to do that. And they were just shouting and singing. There probably a few amens was going on too. Uh, with that, and uh, they, they, it was it was just such a jubilant time for them. But you know, when things look like they're going good, you think no opposition came. When you think things are going fine, all of a sudden you'll see opposition coming, and we see that over there in chapter four. It says here. Now, when the adversaries, there's adversaries out there all the time, trying to do anything to hinder the work of God. They were there. They saw what was going on. Now, these adversaries were those people that were uh, in that land at this time. Uh, they, they were brought in uh, uh, when, uh, when the Syrians uh, took captive Israel and they brought back uh, uh, a lot of people from other areas of the world and, and brought them into that area. And, uh, and so these now became their adversaries and they saw them coming there. Now when these adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard the children of captivity build the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel. Now he was, uh, he, he, he was the, uh, the, the leader that brought the people back into it. He was a civil leader uh, who brought the people back from Jerusalem, Zerubbabel here. Then came Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, let us build with you for we seek your God as you do and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of uh, Estradon, king of Asher, which brought us up hither. Oh, let's just get together and worship God together. Isn't that the, that's the ecumenical movement here. 
This is the ecumenical movement. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we worship the same God you do. Not really. But they say, yeah, we do. Uh, let's just get together. But at least there was a little bit of discernment here uh, in verse 3. But Zerubbabel and, and Jeshua, now he was the high priest at uh, this time, and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. You can't have a part because you don't really know our God. And so, well, you, you just stay away. We're, we have God on our side and that's all we need. And we don't want you to intermingle because if they started doing that, uh, and they started actually helping and building, and then they'll start changing all the ways that they were going to uh, worship God and such, and, and they would just uh, literally uh, uh, destroy all that they were trying to do. And so you have to be separated. Must be separated from, uh, from the religious group. We're not talking about those who are uh, uh, out in the world as such, but here, the religious ones who are supposedly worshiping God. But in actuality, they're not. Actually, yeah. And so they had to separate from that. And so, uh, again, because of this, um, uh, you go down there to uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 24 of, of Ezra. And they were getting more and more opposition and building the temple. And it finally came to this, verse 24. Then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. They were getting so much opposition. Uh, uh, letters were going out to different uh, leaders in, in the area and said, hey, well, do you know what these Jews are doing? They're, uh, they're down here in Jerusalem and they're trying to rebuild it and so forth. And they're trying to, get pressure for them to stop, stop. And the people were really getting discouraged about it. And then they finally said, eh, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. It's not worth it. You know, that happens so many times in the ministry and in and, and any churches and such. You, you face opposition, and the easiest thing is, well, I'll just forget about it. I'll just hold back. I'm not going to keep on because I do not like opposition. We don't like when people uh, are going against what we're trying to do. We don't like people saying things uh, uh, against us and so forth. We don't, we're, 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 we, we'd rather not that. We like to uh, uh, have all that shouting and joy. But sometimes it's, it, it, it's not always there during the hard times. And then we have to look to the Lord. We got to start looking to the Lord. Hey, uh, Lord, uh, again, these are, these are lessons of learning. God lets us go through these things for us to learn to, to trust God and, and put our faith more and more in him. And so that was the situation. Now, uh, look here at uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Now, this is, this is our connection to Zechariah here in uh, verse 1. All right? They were discouraged. But I'm glad God has men there to help encourage people 
in the lowest of times. And here he had two men, two men. Notice here. Then the prophet of Haggai and the prophet, uh, uh, the prophet and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. So here they were discouraged. Uh, the the, the uh, building of the temple has ceased, and they were just going back to their old ways. And so God says, all right, Haggai, Zechariah, I need you to go to those people and encourage them getting back to what they need to do. All right, now, with that, let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah, that's the second to last book there in the Old Testament. Zechariah. And so, God sent these two men. Now, Haggai, uh, he, again, that, the book of Haggai is a real brief book, only two chapters. Uh, he was the older of the two prophets that were sent here. And uh, his message was basically a, a rebuke. Hey, uh, as as yeah, as uh, he he rebuked them, as it says over there in, uh, in Haggai chapter one, uh, verse two. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, "This people say the time is not come; the time that the Lord's house should be built." Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, "It is a time for you, O ye, to dwell in your uh, sealed houses, and this house lied waste." Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, okay? Hey, you got your priorities wrong. Get your priorities right. Don't worry about your own place. You got to get the temple. You got to get focused on that, first of all. And so that was his main message that, uh, that uh, Haggai was prophesying. Now, Zechariah, as he came on the scene, uh, now he's going to... Uh, build on that which was Haggai was doing here and uh, he's going to first of all remind them get, again get your priorities right make sure God's first but I also want you to remember what God is going to do in the future we sometimes get our eyes uh, so fixed on the present we forget about the future we can get very discouraged oh things don't look good don't look good I don't know why I want to continue on like this. He says, hold it. You don't have the whole picture yet. You don't know what God's going to do. God has some bigger, bigger plans. And that's what uh, Zechariah is going to show these people of his great plans that he has for them uh, here. Now, Zechariah chapter 1. And I'm um, just pointing out, our main, our main focus will be in chapter 4 here. But uh, uh, let, let me show you a couple things here. Uh, verse 2 of chapter 1. The Lord has been sore displeased with your fathers. Therefore say unto them, now notice how he opens up. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Now, this name uh, here is, is given 53 times in the book of Zechariah. The Lord of hosts. Now, if you see it that many times in one book, you better 
look at it. <coughs> it's up, and it's something that's very, very important. Really, what I'm saying here, Lord of Hosts, uh, and when when we're talking about host, it could be uh, it, it, that word host can be used in many different ways in the, in the Word of God. Uh, used of stars, of angels, of nations, of armies, and so forth. All that, and the the point is, of uh, of uh, that he is in charge of all things. The stars, the armies, the, and all that. He is sovereign. He is over all that. <clears throat> and, here, and here's the thing. They had all these other nations around them. And there was just a small group of Israelites there around Jerusalem. And they were greatly outnumbered. They didn't have any kind of army or anything at all. And they're looking at it. Uh, they, uh, the, all the people around them looked like great giants around them. Man, we don't have a chance. But hey, the Lord of hosts is with you. Remember that. The ruler of this universe is behind you. And so think upon that. Think upon that. The very Lord of hosts is there to help you. Now, in doing this, they had to get their hearts right with God. We already seen that they, they, they got discouraged to stop building. Haggai was trying to encourage them. Hey, get your priorities right. And then it says here again in verse 3, it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me. You first of all need to repent of where you are. You're going the wrong direction. You're not serving God as you should. And now ye need to turn unto me. There has to be a change of mind that has to be taking place here. The Lord causes people back and provides a way for a return here. And, uh, and so you have to be first be willing to turn. So turn ye unto me. I'm your help. I'm the one that will bring you through this. But you got to look to me. You stop going back to the ways of the world. Turn from that. Turn from that. Turn from that. And so, uh, in the process of turning, there's, again, uh, uh, we have here in Zechariah, he had eight visions uh, in one night. I don't think he got much sleep that night. But he had eight visions that, uh, that, that God gave to him, and he was showing what needs to be done and what God has planned for the nation of Israel out in the future. But it starts from this time now for this to be accomplished. And so there had to be a turning. And first of all, there had to be a turning away from their sin. Now go over to Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3. Here we have the fourth vision that was given unto Zechariah. And this had to deal with their sin problem. And this is demonstrated by uh, Joshua, who's the high priest. Joshua, of course, uh, uh, speaks, of course, of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua. Uh, here, Joshua. Uh, the, so it says, and he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand, 
to resist him. Here he is. That kind of reminds you of Job, doesn't it? Here he is, uh, a Satan, our accuser. And Satan says, look at these people. Look at how wicked are. They're worthless. And Satan's just uh, accusing uh, uh, Israel right before God. And just get rid of them. They're wicked. But verse 2, the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that has chosen Israel, uh, Jerusalem, rebuke thee. These were God's chosen people. God had a particular work for them. Not that they were any better than anybody else, but God in his sovereign will chose them for a, a, a purpose that they needed to fulfill. They have gotten away from that, and they need to get back to that. And so, uh, they are my people. And I'm not done with them. I'm going to use them. And notice there, verse 3. Now, this is their, this is their spiritual condition that they were in. And this is a representative here of the, the clothing of, uh, of the, uh, the garments of Joshua. Notice here it says, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. Now, that word uh, filthy uh, there is, is, is only found here. Uh, uh, this, this particular Hebrew word is only found here in the Bible. And it's an adjective, and it's the strongest expression in the Hebrew language for filth. Literally, that's what this word means. It means, uh, uh, the, the root word means to uh, go forth, and it speaks of human waste that goes forth from the body. So it's just filled with the, the waste from the body. He says, that's what you are like. And uh, it, it is nothing, nothing whatsoever good. You don't want to even touch it. It's that filthy, filthy is. And, it, and of course, Joshua here was representing the nation of Israel as the high priest. And he said, this is the way the nation is. And if I'm going to use you, there's going to have to be some cleansing to be done for I can use you, for I can use you. So, we see there, he goes on in verse 4, and he answered and spake uh, unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with the change of raiment. Get that filthy, rotten uh, garments off and get a change. That's all about salvation. Getting back right to God. Our, our, we got to get rid of all that, of the world, filth of the world and all. We get a new heart. We get a new cleansing. And it makes a change. We get rid of the filthy garments. We put on the clean garments. And that's what it's done. And then it says there, verse uh, 5, and I say, let, the, let them set a, a fair martyr. Again, that's the... Uh, hat and such that they, uh, the uh, high priest wore. And so they set a fair martyr upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by and the angel of the Lord 
uh, protesting on Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if thou wilt walk in my ways, if thou wilt keep my charges, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among the, uh, these that stand by. And now he is ready to serve God. He is now prepared. The cleansing has taken place. Now, uh, go down to verse 8. How was this cleansing take place? It says here, Hear thou, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men, uh, uh, men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. There's prophetic of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe it's mentioned four times, and it shows different aspects of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here he's called a servant. And how was he a servant here? Well, he, he as it says over in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, verse 8. Um, it says, uh, verse 7, it says there, Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written to me to do thy will, O God, uh, above when he, he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin uh, uh, thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein, uh, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. Covenant, first and second covenant here. Uh, and uh, verse 10, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's what he accomplished. As a servant, he did the will <coughs> of the Father. He did the will of the Father. And by doing that, now people, as they put their faith in him, can be cleansed from their sins. Now they're ready, ready to serve him. Now we go over to the fifth vision, and this is where we're going to uh, finish our time at here in Zechariah chapter 4. Okay? They got the filth out. They have been cleansed. Now they're ready to serve. And how are they going to do this? Here in Zechariah chapter 4, and notice here verse 1. Here we're going to see a candlestick. It says here, And the angel that talked with me came again and walked with me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and the seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side uh, of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof. All right, so here we are. Uh, he sees a candlestick or a lampstand here and the description here is basically is what you find there in the and the holy of the tabernacle, okay? Seven lamps stands there, uh, which gives the light in the, in the tabernacle. It's the only light that's there in the tabernacle. And of course, it speaks, of course, 
First of all, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world uh, and such. And so here's that light that was to be shining. It says, I'm showing you this light. But there was something different about this light uh, than what was found there in, in the uh, tabernacle or the temple. Because it says there again there uh, in uh, verse 2, it says, uh, uh, it says there, uh, uh, there were, uh, uh, it says there, and I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick of all gold, a bowl upon the top of it. Okay, there's a bowl on top of it, and from that bowl, there are, it says, seven pipes or, or, or uh, kind of canals that would connect to the seven lamps that were there. And, uh, and so from that bowl, it was feeding those seven lamps. And then go over there in verse 11. It says here, then answer and I, and I said, what are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, what be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves. So you have the two olive trees. They feed the, the uh, bowls at the, the bowl at the very top of the lampstand. And from that, it feeds down to the other uh, lamps there, each one. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, it was the responsibility of, of the Levites that they would go into the temple morning and evening. They would trim the lamps and make sure there was oil so the light would always shine. And so that was, that was a responsibility in doing that. But here, it wasn't needed. Because now, it's all being taken by care of these two olive trees that were feeding in there. And the Levites were not needed at all for this. And God is showing that there's no human agency here. Everything I'm showing you is of God. Man is not a part of this. This is of God and what I'm doing here. God is, is producing the life uh, in the tree and out of that, the things that's being uh, lit without any human involvement. There is no priest to trim the lamps. There's nobody putting oil in it. It is strictly an operation by God. God is doing the work here. He's the one that is providing the, the oil to the lamp so that they can bright, uh, uh, brightly there in the lamp. Now, how does that relate to us? Well, let's go down to verse 6. So he asked, well, you go over there. Uh, again, he had questions about this. He says there in verse 4, So I answered and spake to the angel and talked with me and said, What are these, my Lord? Please explain this to me. I don't understand. Okay? So, um, uh, so he says, uh, uh, verse 5, Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. 
Now, he's not going to explain exactly the, the exact meaning, but what, what was the purpose of it? What was behind it? He said, now, verse, now this is a, a, a verse that you probably are all familiar with, right? Verse 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. All right? When it, speaks, when it speaks here, not by might, that really means to signify the power of a number of men or com that are combined together. Uh, not by power, it speaking refers to the strength of one great one. So what God is trying to tell him here uh, that, uh, that don't to trust in your own strength or wisdom or in, into the world's resources. Don't look to them. That's not where you're going to get your power. You're not going to get your strength by that. <clears throat> Churches can set up all kinds of uh, programs and so forth and, and trying to reach, which is fine. But if you're looking to the programs and such to do the work of God, you got your emphasis wrong. It has to come from God. It has to come from God's direction to get it done. Without that, it's worthless. So it says, so not by might, uh, nor by power, but my spirit. The Holy Spirit, the work's gonna, it's, it's the work for God's going to be done, it's got to be done by the work of the Holy Spirit. You are to be in the light of the world. <clears throat> But it has to be done by the Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, uh, that's the whole, that's the whole part. Why did God choose the nation of Israel? God chose the nation of Israel to be in a light to the rest of the world. It says this over in uh, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. I'll read it to you. It says here, and he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore and preserve Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be of my salvation on the end of the earth. They were to be a light to the Gentiles. They were in all their false gods and all, and, and, and the world would know who the true God was through the nation of Israel as they worship God. And that was their purpose. <coughs> but again, they utterly failed in that. Ezekiel chapter 5. <coughs> Ezekiel chapter 5. Let me get to that. Ezekiel chapter 5. Notice what it says here. And I'm going to read verse 5. Ezekiel 5, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord God, This is Jerusalem. I set it in the midst of the nations and countries that are round about her, and she has changed my judgments into wickedness more than the nations and my statutes more than the countries that are round about her. 
for they have refused my judgment and my statutes. They have not walked in them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because ye uh, multiplied more than the nations that are round about you and have not walked in my statutes, neither have you kept my judgments, neither have you done according to the, to the judgments of the nations that are round about you. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, even I am against thee and will execute judgment in the midst of thee in the sight of the nations. You just became just like the other nations. You are not following me. You are not the light that you're supposed to be. You're not the salt that you're supposed to be. And all I can do is bring judgment. <clears throat> That's what will happen when we will go back into the things of the world. We can't have a testimony for God. We can't be a witness for God. All God can do is bring judgment upon us. And he will. He'll do that. Churches to get away from the things of God. God says, all right, I can't use you anymore while well, you stay in this condition. you got to get right. you got to keep yourself right with God. If you don't, can't be used. Unfortunately, we know Israel never learned. Did they ever, did they ever really get back to God? Not as of yet. And uh, in fact, it was uh, culminated there, of course, when the Lord Jesus Christ came. And, uh, and Jesus had to rebuke uh, uh, the Jews, as he says in Matthew chapter 21, verses 42 and 43. He says here, Jesus said unto them, uh, did, ye, uh, did, you, uh, did ye never read in the scriptures the stones which the builders rejected the same as become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing and is a marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth fruit thereof. I have rejected Israel now. I'm putting you off to the side. You're going to be in blindness for a while, but I have someone else I'm going to work with. And who's that today? The church. The church. You know, how is the church described over in the book of Revelation? There in uh, Revelation chapter 1. And of course chapter 2 and 3 talks about the seven churches. It says there in uh, Revelation chapter 1 verse 20, it says the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks that thou, uh, candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. We are now the light of the world. That's the responsibility of the church. We are the light of the world and bringing forth <coughs> that truth. And uh, as it says over in Ephesians chapter 5, be ye, uh, but ye were sometimes in darkness, but now ye are the light of the world. And that's what we are to be, the light of the world. And so, Back there to Ezra. <coughs> Ezra, I'm sorry. Zechariah. Zechariah, chapter 4. We are the light of the world. But our power is not in us. 
is through the working of the Holy Spirit. Before the Lord Jesus Christ sent out the twelve to be a witness throughout all the world, he made it very clearly. This, you, before you can do that, there's something that you must have. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is upon, has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what we are. We have the power, and by that power, not our power, we can be a faithful witness for God. <clears throat> so we need that power. We have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, not the flesh. And we have to make sure that our lives are such that we have a cleansing so that the, so that the, 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 the oil can flow through us so that the light can burn brightly for others to be able to see it uh, there. Now, look at verse, this is an exciting verse here. Verse 7. Verse 7 of Zechariah chapter 4. All right? He was just told here. Listen, it's not by might, not by power, but my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. How did Zechariah react to this? Notice what he says. Who art thou, O great mountain? What is he talking about there? Mountains here are speaking of opposition. You know, you got a mountain in front of you, that's the, and you have to get around it, that's a opposition. So he's looking at all these other nations around him and how they were hindering him from doing the work of God. But now he has just been told, uh, it's not by might nor by power, but by spirit. He said, oh, great. I have the spirit of God, the power of God, and by that, what are you? That mountain means nothing. I can get through that mountain easily <coughs> by the power of God. It's defeated. It's de In his eyes, it's defeated. What are you? You're not going to be in any opposition for me. <coughs> for God, again, God's will at this time was for Zerubbabel, Children of Israel to build the temple. Get it built. Okay? And you're not going to do it on your own strength, not your own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. On that power, you will be able to do it. And you'll be able to complete it. <coughs> no matter what opposition you're facing. And when God has a job for us, God always gives us the power and ability to finish that job. The only thing that hinders us is our own selves and not yielding to him as we should. So he goes on there. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. You'll be flattened out. I'll just steamroll right over you because I have the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. So, uh, uh, so, uh, <clears throat> so uh, thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone. The headstone. Well, what do we have here with the headstone? Uh, this is the final stone marking the completion of 
the building of the temple, the headstone on the top, the headstone that is put there. And it's showing here, Zerubbabel, the job that I've given you will be completed. And it's going to be completed during your time. He says here, uh, bring forth the headstone, therefore with shouting, crying, grace, grace unto it. <coughs> and wherever the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, his hand shall also finish it. You start in it and you will be able to finish it. And no opposition will keep you from doing it because you have the Holy Spirit to empower you to get it finished. It will be done. It will be done. And then, who gets the praise? That's Zerubbabel. No, no, no. He was just a vessel to be used of him. Thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts, again, the Lord of hosts, has sent me unto you. He gets the glory. He gets the glory in all this. One last thing. I'm probably going too long. Don't walk out on me yet. Notice here. This is an encouraging thing. Verse 10. For who has despised the day of small things? Now we always think of big things. Big mega churches, thousands of people there. That's why we, yeah, who has the fastest growing church and all that? And, uh, and sometimes we get all the emphasis of all that and the bigness and the greatness of it. And by that, we determine uh, how they're being used of God by that means. That's not always God's measuring stick. That's not always God's measuring stick. Who has despised Paul? And what was being refracted back here is there were some of, uh, uh, of these Jews uh, who saw Solomon's temple. And uh, in fact, it's, it says uh, uh, over there in, uh, let me get it again, uh, over in uh, Ezra, and when they were uh, getting started, uh, let's see if I can find it here. Ezra, Ezra. Okay, that's before Psalms. That's right, that's right. Before Psalms. Okay, uh, he, he says there in, uh, in, uh, in Ezra chapter uh, 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 Ezra chapter, let's see here if I can find it. Uh, uh, It says here, um, oh, not five it says here, Ezra chapter 3 and verse 12. Okay, we saw the singing and praising there in verse 11. And then verse 12 says, But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men, they were old, white-headed, kind of thing, ancient men that were seeing the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud for joy. Now, why were they weeping? Because they, could, they, uh, they remembered the splendor of Solomon's uh, temple. Nothing like that. And now they were building something, and it was going to be a lot smaller than what they remembered with Solomon's 
uh, temple. And they weeped about it. And they thought, well, the greatness of God is not with us anymore. But again, back here to Zechariah chapter 4. For who despises the days of small things? All this might not be as, as grandiose as the Solomon's temple was. But remember, I'm in it. No matter what the size is. Whether it's, whether it's large or whether it's small. That is not what makes the difference. I am in it. For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the land of Azubrable uh, with those seven eyes. Let me just mention here, as I'm going to close here, God loves using small things. You look through the scripture. Some of the small things that God has used for his glory. He used, small, he used a small shepherd boy against Goliath, big Goliath. A small stone against a gigantic forehead. He used a small rod in Moses' hand. He used a small lunch to feed a multitude. He used a small amount of mud to heal a blind man. He used a, a small jawbone to defeat an army of a thousand. God is in, into small things. It's not by man's might or power, but, but by the Spirit. And when people are filled with the Spirit, God can mightily use them. And that's what he wants to do. And this, Matthew 17 says this. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He said, Matthew 17, 19 and 20, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, a tiny, little, insignificant mustard seed, if you had faith like a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, as Zerubbabel said, Remove hence to your place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Even here, the smallest of faith. It's not the faith which moves mountains. Rather, it's God who's behind that faith that moves the mountain. As we learn to put faith in God, God can do anything he wants for us. As we are to be the light of the world, we can be. As we are controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's the that's the important thing. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to control and fill us and, and do the work of God. And no, it might look like a small thing, you know. Uh, uh, that's one thing you always learn. You're in the ministry. Don't go around comparing yourself with other churches. Boy, you want to get discouraged. Do that. You can't do that. You just be faithful, working where you are, doing the work that God wants you to do, and God will honor that. God will honor that. And, and you might think, well, I'm, I, I'm not much <coughs> in the church. Boy, 
He can use any one of us if we're just yielded to him. Just yielded to him. He can mightily use you in great ways. But it's all depending on yourself yielding to him, allowing the power of the Holy Spirit work into you that you might be the light of the world. And that's my desire tonight, that, that you would want that in your life. That you would be like that. That uh, with that power of the Holy Spirit within you, uh, any opposition there says, just move aside. I'm going to do the will of God. And I'm not going to allow anything to hinder me from doing the will of God. And I'll do it for his honor and for his glory. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we had here this evening. How wonderful it is to share God's word. So many wonderful, wonderful illustrations and stories that we can learn from the Word of God. And I just pray tonight that we realize it's not by our might, not by our power, but by the Spirit that we have the ability to do the work of God. But there must be first of a cleansing in our heart. If we are filled with sin and so forth, there's or, or, or something in our lives that's hindering us. We need to remove that from our life that we might be used of God, that we truly might be the light that you desire us to be. So you just speak to hearts tonight as, as we close, Lord, and that, that we truly would seek that out so that you would get the honor and the glory. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Pastor.